Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder. Rob Fortress Fortney here. I'm a journalist, editor, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. And today we've got some serious tech glitches. We're going to bodge together an episode. Uh, the recording on my end was just not working well, but Fortress sounds okay. We're going to salvage those clips. And importantly, many listeners have asked what we do immediately prior to a contest, to a competition. And I know Rob is deloading and things like that, getting ready for your show in a week and a half. Well, actually, tonight is going to be my last squat session, um, <clears throat> and I've just, I'm going to have it, have it as a deload. Um, you know, there, there's millions of different variations of what strength athletes, and specifically because we're talking about powerlifting, powerlifters do. Um, I, I've kind of just, mod, you know, I actually took a very kind of a um, traditional kind of peaking um, program that I found online that was actually derived from something that Ed Cohn has used uh, apparently over the years. Oh. And I've taken that and I've experimented with that for the last several months. Um, I found the aspects of it that I liked and the aspects of it that I didn't like and didn't, you know, didn't necessarily benefit me individually. And I'm then I just modified it from there to kind of fit this particular meet. Now, this is only going to be my second powerlifting meet, so, um, you know, I, I certainly don't have a lot of experience with the peaking aspect of that, but um, certainly I have a good handle on these types of things. And like I said, the modifications I've made to this uh, is what is ultimately a pretty traditional kind of peaking schedule, you know, just dropping reps as the percentages up towards your one rep, um, you know, perceived max is, and then, of course, that, you know, overstates it so you're going to hit a new, you know, um, one rep max of the meat. Um, and I basically started this one. I kind of abbreviated it as from the 12 weeks to a, oh, for, to the last nine weeks, really, which this might be hard to follow along. But I, I did three weeks on, a week off, two weeks on, a week off, two weeks on, a week off, two weeks on. So, um, and on the weeks off, I actually took the whole week off, um, Maybe going in just for some extremely, extremely light, just mo you know, movements, just to keep the mo motions going. But um, mm -hmm. and like I said, every week that I was on, I would just climb, you know, this is the the next week up as far as percentages. Um, and of course, I'm fooling around a lot with you know, like like bodybuilders fool around a lot with the last week or so as far as you know what they're doing with water and all that type of stuff. Right. Um, so many powerlifters, you know, dick around with manipulating things in small ways certainly um you know as it applies to this and as far as you know how heavy you're going to get or what percentage you're going to eventually arrive at um how long do you take off before the meet entirely when do you stop you know benching when do you stop squatting when do you stop right deadlift? right so are you going through the same kind of last minute crazy things that, say a bodybuilder might go through uh you know foolish tweaks are you resisting that urge yeah, interestingly, I was just a couple of days ago when I was doing my last 
bench workout, um, I actually said to the guy that was there helping me, I said, I said to him, I said, you know, um, it's, I kind of referenced this exactly what we're talking about. I was like, it's very strange because I never would doubt myself at any other juncture during the year, but because there's a meet coming up, I'm now starting to doubt myself as far as, and specifically on that day, what I was talking about was, you know, um, this is my last bench press, right? Like, and that's 10 full days before the meet. And, you know, I was getting all paranoid. Do you think that's too much? You think that's too little? And, and like I say, I've always found that, you know, for me personally, that that's a good stretch of time for me. It's not too much or too little as far as when you get to a point of what is almost overtraining than taking, you know, um, several days off than coming back. Um, and it was interesting because, yeah, because I, I kind of know what my body likes, but I, I find found and I'm now finding myself, you know, you know, constantly reevaluating whether, you know, is that too much? Is that too little? And so it, it's strange like that, but... Um, so how high did you go percentage wise? I mean, when you got at your peak, did, pretty did high. You... I mean, my last heavy squat was, um, oh, I would say roughly like 93, 94%. And I just okay. hit, I hit two doubles, um, which was turned out to be about, um, six ten for two or two, um, bench worked out to be about the same for about 400 pounds for two or two. Um, this is all raw kind of stuff. Um, and this week, um, I, I just, again, you're, you're kind of like wondering what to do, right? I didn't want to, so I thought, you know what? So I'll do, you know, choose, I did my last bench and I did what, you know, a deload. I, I just chose 65%. Um, and I just did, uh, some close grip stuff and then some speed doubles with what worked out to be 65%. And tonight for the squat will be the same. It'll be just um, five or six speed doubles with uh, what works out to be about 65%. And again, I mean, it's it's you know, uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily just pulling this out of my butt. So numbers wise, when you say 60, 65%, what are we talking in the squat? Like four and a quarter, uh, something along those lines. Um, it'll be 420. Okay, it's yeah. 421. So I'll just yeah, um, and that's it. As far as deadlift, I've really deadlifts have been the one thing that I've always kind of. Um, I, I'm I'm less confident in deadlift than I am the other two, specifically squat. But I have trained the deadlift quite hard in the last year or so, and in and, and properly. So, um, you know, and most powerlifters take anywhere from probably two weeks to a month. Or I mean, Phil has even said he's taken as much as um, several weeks, um, where you know before a meet um, from the last time he actually pulls out of a ra- off the floor. So. Yeah. Um, as it works out for me, my last one from the floor was not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before. And then just this past Sunday, I actually worked up to two doubles from my knee out of the rack um, with what worked out to be about, again, about 93, 94%. So, okay. yeah. Let me ask you this. Is the deadlift more devastating? Uh, we're both squat biased in a way, but as far as recovery and coming back from it over the next couple of days... Is the deadlift more brutal than a similar intensity squat? I would think that um, the per- perception of, of fatigue, you know what I mean, or kind of like suppression that you might feel after training heavy on a big lift uh, is about the same as it would be on a squat, but it doesn't translate the same when you go to do another heavy deadlift the next week. Um, in other words, I find that you can maintain reasonably heavy percentages on the squats more often 
than you can deadlift. I feel I find the deadlift to be, and and simply from what I was saying before about how most powerlifters do tend to take you know anywhere from anywhere from a week, which is I think a little way too close to you know two weeks, four weeks, several weeks from the last time they deadlift the meet um, would kind of bear that out. Um, even things like I've found, um, and I'm sure most powerlifters would probably concur. I found like even just little things like pulling from a rack, even if it's only five or six inches higher, um, is monumentally makes a monumental difference as far as being able to recuperate adequately. Um, I mean, a right. guy like I mean, I don't know if he still does this, but I've heard Brad Gillingham, uh, who is you know one of the greatest deadlifters in the world, he he alternates. He tra- does train deadlift every week, but I I, I heard um, like I said, I don't know if he still does it, but that he would do a you know from the floor one week, then out of the rack the next. Um, and, I, and I certainly would think that that's a good way of go. I mean, as as it is now, so I'll have three weeks from the last time I pulled from the floor, minus a day, and um, two weeks from the last time I pulled at all, which was, like I said, out of the rack about knee level. So, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, it's it's a good question, it really is, because people have talked about that a lot, you know, which is more, I, like I said, I don't think necessarily like the, the effort of either one is probably equal but it does seem to smash your nervous system it's almost like um it i I heard it once several years ago from somebody here i can't remember who said it but something like you know like when you pull a deadlift um when you're up there in percentages it's almost like your life force is being pulled out through your arms (laughs) you know because it really is it leaves you um, I don't find that it affected negatively my squatting in this in the days after a heavy deadlift. Not so much that, but but the, um, to a degree, of course. But mo- mostly, like like I'm saying, just the actual to you know, if you're pulling up in those kind of percentages, I mean, you can't do that weekly. Right. I really, right. I mean, and I'm talking only from a standpoint of a guy who's natural. I I, I can't comment on. You know what the what the tolerances are of people who are using different. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think about some of the earlier work I saw in Finland from famous researchers like uh, Hakkinen and some of those guys that were clearly showing that androgens have an, a central nervous system effect both in function, you know, and probably or at least presumably recovery. And that would just seem really important in a situation like this: the whole androgens and you know the users and and, and their ability to recover. That's yeah, I mean, it, interestingly enough, I, I again when I was squatting my last heavy squat last week, I remember somebody saying, "Oh, you're going to be sore," um, and I said to him, "I and I didn't say it out of any sort of conceit. I said it just a, a matter of fact. I was like, I, I won't even feel this tomorrow from a muscular soreness standpoint, and and arguably I won't feel it at all from a stiffness standpoint." Yeah, um, yeah. But that's yeah. but that that again is conditioning to what you do, right? I mean, it's like somebody going for a jog who never runs versus somebody who runs ten kilometers a day, right? Um, I, I've just gotten to the point, condition wise, where I can squat six hundred pounds for multiple sets, you know, right, of, right, low reps, and, and I really don't feel it. Where yeah. I do feel it is, you know, I'll feel a little bit. I, I always use the word suppressed, but you know what I mean, a little bit, just kind of. Um, not even not even necessarily beat up, just a little bit kind of more low key for a couple of days. Uh, but yeah, deadlift for sure does something very unique. Um, it can be very touchy. And I, I, what I always say to people is your low back musculature, it's capable of so much, but it's also very, very finicky and sensitive. Um, which is interesting because when you think about it, yeah, I mean, you can get a guy who deadlifts six, seven hundred pounds 
and you know certainly I can re- relate certain stories to this and everything's fine then you know he'll be picking up a screwdriver off the floor one day and he twists his back out you know what I mean it's right I find that your butt low back can really take an unbelievable amount of pressure or like stress if you're kind of doing the lift by design as far as your you know the, you know you always hear the people saying oh you know this is the perfect textbook way to deadlift right it's you know with an arched or straight back and hips down i mean let's be realistic nine nine out of ten deadlifters who start creeping over 85 90 percent of their one rep max form is going to start breaking down you know they start getting really ugly well i was going to say that i mean you're built like a refrigerator unlike phil you don't have real long arms i mean that affects the way you squat as well frankly right so, you know, there are anatomical realities. It's just going to make people uh, do lifts a little bit differently. The, the fact of the matter is I can't be perfect in the, it, no matter how much I'd want to because, like you say, with a re- reasonably long torso and reasonably short arms, to clear my knee properly, I almost have to lean forward a little bit further. Yeah. But like what I was saying, going back to what I was saying before, I mean, it's amazing you see some deadlifts. And, again, I'm not talking about, you know, the form has completely gone to shit. But, you know, people are, you know, yanking seven, eight hundred pounds up. And, there is you know, the back is starting is, – is rounding and all that. And, and you're thinking, wow, the, the low back can take so much. But, like I say, that the guy walks down the stairs and twists because his wife yells at him. He, you know, he's flat on his back for the next week. It's yeah. – that's what I mean by finicky. If you're, if, if you're doing something by design and you have a reasonable bon- amount of conditioning and structure and, like you said, d- you know, understanding of what should be, you know, at least partially mechanically f- perfect, your low back can, is, is almost like tank-like in the way it's designed, but it's very finicky. And it doesn't, you know, it, it'll give you a lot, but it'll also take a lot from you. Um, and if you don't kind of give it its time, um, and like I said, I mean, a lot of, a lot of powerlifters deadlift like once every two weeks. I mean, you know, some of the old guys you hear deadlift once a month. Well, I know we've said that about squats too, right? You said that yourself, that you can really surprise yourself, take four weeks off or something, and you come back and you hit some kind of personal record or, you know, very something close to that in the squat. Yeah, and, and deadlift is huge like that. You know, like I've, I'm a firm believer that you can pretty much maintain any deadlift just squatting. I believe that. Not necessarily build up a deadlift to a certain amount only with squatting, but once you've got a certain deadlift, almost like, you know what I mean? Like if your best deadlift is 500 pounds, you know, and then you don't deadlift for a year, um, you know, but you continue to squat very heavy and properly, I believe that you, you know, in a year you'll come back and I'm not saying the 500 will will be a smooth or, you know what I mean? But you'll, you'll probably still pick up 500 pounds. Yeah, but to yeah. get to the next level, you have to train the deadlift specifically. You know what I mean? And it's, it's it, but like I say, it's a very finicky lift. It's a very finicky lift to try and. Co- I mean, it's that's the age old thing though. Certainly among bodybuilders, right? Where do you train the deadlift? You know what I mean? Do you, is it a leg day thing? Do you put on a back day thing? Yeah, I know some people will say that dead's the king of exercises. But if you were to ask me what's the king of exercises, I would flatly say the squat. You know. I but, think most powerlifters would actually still say the squat. I actually just watched on YouTube a 12-part um, Power Unlimited, um, and I certainly urge listeners to go watch it. I, I, I have certain criticisms of it, but um, you know, uh, there's a lot of good stuff, too, about this uh, little documentary. And they actually talk at some point about the whole idea about the squat and what is the king of lifts. And pretty much all the people, and they have some big names that they're interviewing, um, 
are like, you know, powerlifting is squatting. That's what several of these guys actually say flat out. Um, and again, these are big names too. Like they're like, you know, powerlifting is squatting, which, yeah, which, yeah. Was, which went with the whole kind of thing because they got into it because they were talking about, you know, guys who are bench specialists and don't deadlift and squat and, you know, would you can still consider that guy a, a powerlifter, blah, blah, blah. It, it, not kind of sidetracking the, the conversation here, but right, right. I, I would agree with you. And, and for, for another reason, I mean, it's the first lift in a meet. Um, in a deadlift, you can hurt yourself, but then it's easily just to let the bar go. I know. With squats, you, you've got six or 800 or 1,000 pounds if you're this super elite hovering up by your head. You're flirting with catastrophe. Because you can get massively hurt and then get massively hurt in all different ways just with the bar still being on your back. Um, yeah. And so for that reason, you know, I mean, again, I mean, you can get very hurt for deadlifts for sure. But, you know, at least the bar, you either drop it or whatever. You know what I mean? But, like, the bar, if, if you really hurt yourself on squat, the bar, that bar is still across your back, you know. And, um, yeah. But, I mean, certainly – uh, certainly, certainly, if we're talking in relative terms, certainly, yeah, the squat and the deadlift. I mean, those those are certainly the most, you know, masculine, manly movements you can do. Not to well, so let me steer this back on track just a little bit uh, as far as you getting ready for your meet. So you are escalating the intensity of the lifts, but you're really dropping the volume. So that's more or less classic linear periodization, right? Traditional, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, nothing I do is reinventing the wheel. Like I say, the modifications I make are are certainly unique to me, and uh, I'd like to think at least moderately clever. <laughs> but yeah. but the framework, the general framework of what I'm using is is very traditional. Well, you're an interesting example to me because you have more experience than almost anybody I've ever met, and I'm no powerlifter. But listeners should just understand that, that, you know, you're going to come out in an event like this and do quite well. I mean, you're going to come out with two guns blazing. I, I think the only thing that you really lack, because you're very skilled and you're strong as hell, is time on the podium. And, you know, that's, it's, it's just going to make a very interesting scenario uh, to watch this unfold. I really think that you're headed for some serious notoriety. I don't think most people realize raw and clean you know, how few people are as strong as you are. Again, there's just the competition uh, experience thing, you know, number of meets logged. You certainly can't downplay that because, like I say, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, there's so many variables that um, I appreciate what you're saying. I I appreciate those accolades. And certainly, yes, I am very skilled and I understand things. But as we've discussed in the past, experience can't be, you know, the actual being there. You know what I mean? And um, lifting on right. lifting on demand, and uh, right. you know um, all, all those types of things. You know, lifting with a judge sitting two feet in front of you and a clock running. And well, let's put it this way: it's been a while, right? I mean, how long has it been since you last competed? Man, like six or seven years now. And you hit six sixty in the squat. Yeah, yeah six sixty. What did you pull? Um, I five eighty or something like that. I I went for six and I I, I missed it and. You see, this is where experience comes from. Like, here, here's a little side story about that whole thing. For some strange reason, I decided to pull sumo in that meet. Why the hell I did that? I have, I, I can't even remember why I chose to do that because it's not like I ever trained as sumo. Mm-hmm. And you know, I pulled the whatever five eight or whatever. I went went for six on my second. I missed, and I went and tried it again and missed again. 
I have no idea what was running through my head. L- let me tell you something. I, you know, you know, I'm. I'll take knocks if they're fair knocks. And honestly, I was a buffoon that day. I have no idea why on the third attempt I didn't just clue in, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Go out, put 600 pounds, and just conventional pull it. I mean, what are you doing sumoing? Like, it was right. just so stupid. And that's why when I hear people doing stupid things, I'm so much less now likely to make fun of them. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like I understand. It's weird how human beings make such weird decisions in stress situations. Well, there's that competitor's eye view, right? There's only one way to get it, you know? Yeah, and, and it's very, like, you know, going back to what we were saying like 20 minutes ago, but the whole idea of, you know, how bodybuilders and how powerlifters, you know, you start questioning yourself at the last, you know, week or two. And and that's probably one of the hardest things to do is, is to kind of learn and, and discipline yourself enough that you're like, listen, you know, I, I, I believe in, in my strategy and I'm not going to make all, I'm not going to change it. You know what I mean? And if it, if it doesn't right. work to the, the, the potential that I hope it does, then I'll fi- fix it next time. But to fix something so like, I mean, think about that. I mean, su- going from sumo from conventional when you really, you've only sumo pulled maybe twice in your life. I mean, that's, that's a, good, that's a, that's a goober move. That's a, that's a good, gigantic. I should have got like a, a, a gold ribbon that day for goober moves. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it was just so stupid, you know? And I remember right. driving yeah, home yeah. from that thing, like slapping myself thinking, what a, what? yeah, you do seem to understand a little bit more when people do that sort of thing. There's only one way to purge the goober, you know, is, is go compete until you're comfortable. Let me ask you this, though. We talked about bodybuilding in some ways being more of an emotional investment because of the exposure and whatnot. Is that true with this? I mean, or is it just as much of an emotional investment, or is it even more intense in some way? I would say it's probably the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, The only difference between now and then is, um, you know, I stopped competing as a bodybuilder in 96, uh, you know, which is like 15 years ago now, amazingly. Yeah, yeah. you know, after you've been lifting for a certain period of time, it's just like when people at the gym keep saying, you know, are you excited? Are you nervous? And I'm just like, it's like a big workout to me. I mean, that really is how it goes, plays out in my mind. I'm not really nervous at all. I'm just kind of like, um, I, am I excited? Yeah, it's going to be fun. But it, it, I'm only excited from a standpoint of it being kind of fun, not excited like oh, I'm kind of nervous. It's, right. it's like, you know, it, it it really does seem like just a big kind of, you know, official workout to me. It's right. like, well, sometimes people will misuse the word anxious. That insinuates anxiety, right? But that doesn't sound like what this is, and it wasn't for me either. Uh, this just is excitement, achievement. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, just like, yeah. I, like I say, it's like a big workout to me. You know what I mean? And and what's the worst that can happen? You know, it, well, I mean, obviously I, I can bomb out, you know what I mean? And for whatever reason, just, you know, the excitement of the whole thing screw me up. And like I, I like in that meet, the first meet, my only meet so far that I did on my opener, I remember I fell backwards with my squat. Yeah. And the, and the spotters had to catch me. And I, not, again, that is so stupid. Dude, after squatting with you for 20 years, I don't even get that. I mean, how? Well, no, and the guy that was helping me, I had a guy that was helping me at that uh, meet. And I remember when I walked off the platform, kind of, you know, befuddled what the hell happened. He looked at me and he actually said it audibly. He was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you've squatted for 15 years at that point or 20 years at that point. What are you doing? Have you ever fallen backwards? I'm like, never. That's hey. Never. Like, you know, I've pitched forward a million times, but I've never fell back. And he's like, listen, you're thinking too much, you know? Oh, I totally know. I, 
you know, in one sense, the stereotype dumb meathead uh, might actually be helpful in some ways uh, in this regard when you compete. But then you don't get to explore the emotional range and the depth of all of it, right? And the meaning, the deep meaning of, of competing. Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah. but even little things like, for instance, I, I last several years I've squatted in uh, construction boots, as you know, um, and I just thought, you know, I, I I don't think this is a problem, but I should probably just contact the you know the promoter and just find out if that's cool. And I did last week, um, and he's like, no, you can't. <laughs> so it's you know, so you get this very you know. Um, yeah, there's a little bomb. Yeah. yeah, you get this few hours where I, I, certainly I'm not going to go and exaggerate and say it's a panic, but you have a few hours you're like, you like you start worrying. Oh shit, right? Like I've squatted in these boots now for you know upwards of a decade, and now I can't use them. You know, and he's like, you know, squat shoe or sport shoe. So I'm like, okay, well, screw it. I'll just go and buy some Converse, right? The Chuck Taylor All Stars, which is like, yeah. you know, and that's what I went and bought. And um, you know, it, thankfully I had them the day before my last heavy squat workout. <laughs> So I was able, but I thought, you know, this is a hell of a way to kind of like break in in a new shoe, you know, to go over 600 pounds with a shoe that I've never worn before. And you know right. what? It felt fine. Well, good. And it's a good thing you did that, I imagine. Exactly. And my whole thing was like, you know what? It's, and I remember thinking to myself when I was driving to the gym that day, you know, when I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, I said to myself, I said, listen, Fortney, you've been squatting for 26 years. You know what I mean? Like at this point, you should be able to squat in anything few sets to kind of just feel differently with but i was like listen man when you've been doing something that long you should be it's like it's like anything right it's like a martial artist or whatever right i mean if you oh but but i always, I always fight my gi you know what i mean and one day you can't you can only wear shorts it's like listen man if you're good at what you do you know things like that don't don't overdo it you know what i mean it's you should be again i've squatted so many times like right. you have over the years that i'm like you know what i should i could probably squat on high heels right now if i wanted to so you can't overthink it and all of a sudden you know start making it more than it is in your in your mind but but like i said for people out there who have competed in anything with you know tennis match whatever um they'll as you do you'll you people understand what i'm saying as far as it's weird how your brain right. really starts playing around with like, you know, I know certainly I've done bodybuilding and, you know, you recently did one. It's so weird how your body, like your mind starts perceiving things and, well, maybe I should make this change and maybe I should do that. And, I, you know, I, it starts flipping around on you and reversing things and going upside down. And, and I, that's what I'm saying. I think the ultimate thing you need to learn is just discipline. Discipline yourself to kind of really stand firm in what you've made the, the plan to be and, 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 and work the plan. Well, that's why I think you're going to be on display, baby, because when I competed, because I did multiple shows after all that dieting, I got more and more comfortable. I was doing some really stupid stuff uh, in the first one or two, uh, at least moderately stupid. But by the time my last show was coming around, I was having nothing but fun, aggressive fun, you know, and uh, if not this meet, your next one, you're going to be there, too. Uh, and that's going to be awesome. Well, let me ask you one last thing on this topic before we get to a news blurb that will set up uh, a future uh, topic of the day. And that is, will you be working on this perceived weakness of uh, not competing very regularly? I mean, you're not going to put years between events, right? Absolutely not. I mean, I, I was saying to somebody the other week, this is my reintroduction to it, and there's not going to be... The next time I take a serious break from this, I'm not going to be competing anymore. 
So yeah, yeah, I, I, I will I be competing at least at least once a year from now till I'm done. Um, my goal is to qualify for nationals at this meet, which I don't think should be too much of a problem. Um, probably yeah. do the nationals sometime next year. I would like to be in the worlds within the next two or three years. I think it's going to be amazing for your confidence level. I mean, if you get to the point where you are competing and it's like brushing your teeth and Fortress can express his full strength, um, you know, that's going to be amazing. Things are really going to happen. And I think you'll, you know, get some attention because you'll be coming out of the, you know, the shadows of the daily life in the gym where you live. Um, and, you know, and there you are all of a sudden there you are expressing your full strength with confidence and experience on the podium. Well, I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not kind of overstating my lifts in this one. They're challenging, but they're not, I'm not like kind of freaking out with it. Um, and that's for, that, that again is purpose, purposeful. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of setting a goal, uh, 10 or 15% below what you can actually achieve so you can build momentum for a future event with some success. Because I, I, barring injury, and of course you always have to preface in these kinds of sports with that barring injury, I can't see why this time next year I won't be, um, easily going over seven, both in the squat and deadlift and, um, certainly edging towards a 500 bench. So, Well, Fortress, you know that I've got that bag waiting for you. When you squat 700 or bench five in a meet, um, <laughs> I've been promising this for years, but from the very first international uh, meeting on strength training uh, that was in Alati, Finland, um, that bag is waiting. Uh, I know we were joking before. I, I had my kendo uniform in it for a while. I didn't want to ding it up, so I took it out. It's setting there pristine. Uh, so a little landmark from history when Fortress meets those goals. Okay, let's go to some brief messages, and then we'll come back, and I'm just going to share a news blurb that might just hack you off a little. And um, because of our technical glitches, we're not going to discuss uh, the full-blown topic of the day that's related to this news blurb, but we'll at the very least share this news blurb, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll talk about it next time we sit down to record. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay. 
Okay, we're back. Well, I'm back anyway. Um, just sharing a news blurb that will sell, set up a future topic. Uh, before I do, though, I just want to make a quick mention and just give a shout out to some of the people who were, you know, we're very grateful that they've uh, been supporting Iron Radio with donations, uh, single donations or supporting members. Uh, Seth uh, Spanner, or is it Spainer? But anyway, thank you, Seth. Uh, very appreciated. Uh, John Mike, as always. Um, Franklin Joiner, uh, thanks to all you guys for uh, keeping things going strong. It's what pushes me to uh, <laughs> piece together some of these episodes that don't record properly the first time. Um, so the show must go on. That's sort of our motto, and it really is. Uh, but on to the news. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, this is that uh, study that might actually be uh, sort of irritating to some of you. Um, I know it was to me a little, and um, it certainly was to <laughs> the guy who sent it, Sean Casey, who's sort of a friend of Iron Radio. He sent this in, and he started ranting about former exercise physiology professors at UW-Madison who were sort of endurance-biased. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that they love to point to to make it look like weight training is uh, – uh, unhealthful in some way. In fact, yeah, Sean mentioned he wanted to snap the guy in two at some point. And I understand what he's saying because when I was uh, in school, I was like the one example back in the 90s in grad school of, you know, the weightlifter before things started really taking off with the NSCA and whatnot. And they would joke about how little my VO2 max was. You know, oh, Lonnie's got the VO2 max of a field mouse. It's like I'm a specialist. I don't want to be a runner, you know. And let's not forget I can pin you down and eat you for your protein content, Mr. Marathoner. So anyway, um, not to get too biased here, but this news blurb is from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, 2011, October. So this is spanking new stuff. Thank you, Sean. Um, it's called Strongman Sport is Associated with Larger Absolute Heart Size and Impaired Cardiac Relaxation. Uh, and these are some guys from Lithuania, mostly. Uh, one of the authors is also from uh, Glasgow, Scotland. But just to kind of uh, read parts of this abstract, the study was carried out to compare cardiac structure and function and blood lipids among strongmen, sedentary controls, and marathoners. Echocardiography was performed, and endothelial function, blood lipids, and maximal oxygen uptake were measured in 27 Caucasian adult men, 8 strongmen, 10 marathoners, 9 controls. So they go on to say the absolute cardiac size was larger, but not relative cardiac size, like relative to their body surface area. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but it also says that uh, left ventricular wall thickness was lower uh, in the strong men relative to the marathoners. Now, that surprises me because those of you who aren't familiar, your left ventricle, of course, is what's contracting and pushing the blood up out your aorta to the rest of your body. And oftentimes you'll see weightlifters, especially those uh, that use androgens will have thicker left ventricular wall because you're doing that Valsalva maneuver when you lift, you know, sort of that, you know, I, people aren't breathing gently usually when they're squatting heavy um, or pulling heavy. But anyway, so that was a surprise. Uh, and then they go on to talk about how the HDL, the good cholesterol, was lower uh, in the strong men than in the runners and things like that. And as a concluding sentence, it says, participation in strongman sport is associated with higher absolute but not relative cardiac size parameters, impaired cardiac relaxation, and low cardiorespiratory fitness. Therefore, strongmen may demand greater attention as an extreme group of athletes with regard to cardiovascular risk. Now, 
my initial thought of this, especially when I look at uh, not just the wall thickness thing of the left ventricle, which I find odd, but the heart size. Of course, absolute heart size is bigger than strong men than marathoners. I mean, I didn't read the paper. I could be missing something, but I mean the full paper, but everything is larger on a strong man than on a little 150-pound marathon runner or 130-pound marathoner. I don't understand. Your, their hands are bigger. Their chest is bigger. Their head is bigger. So oh, they have larger absolute cardiac size. Unless I'm missing something, that that scores a major so what uh, for, for me. Um, and as far as the HDL thing, that was what was going to set up that and a couple of other issues, uh, our topic of the day, which we'll move to next time, um, because there are certain things in strongman uh, or powerlifting or bodybuilding that may be health concerns. Um, from It could be higher blood pressure when you carry a lot of extra weight. Uh, I know Fortress is fond of actually saying that he prefers to be slightly pressurized, as he calls it. Now, again, I understand that that's related to cardiovascular disease and things like that, but uh, or the HDL thing, the blood lipids. Um, there are osteoarthritis kinds of issues, right? I mean, from you know all the mileage and the pounding, uh, and we could talk about how to try to reduce that by being efficient. But um, the, people will sometimes rip on the flexibility. Well, there are some joints where obviously you'll have a little bit less joint mobility just because you have so much mass packed around them, like uh, like your shoulder, let's say. I mean, I'm not going to be reaching down my back with my right hand and then up my back with my left hand and clasping, you know, shaking my own hands behind my back with some kind of back scratch test. I, I, I don't know if I would call that less flexibility. It's, it's simply, you know, a little bit too much meat there. But anyway, there's several things that we could talk about, even tanning uh, because of its relationship to vitamin D and all that sort of thing. So lots to discuss, and we'll probably tackle that Phil and Rob and I uh, next we record. So thanks for joining us on this abbreviated issue of uh, or episode of Iron Radio, and we'll see you next time. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Okay, uh, moving on to our other announcements, we're going to do a fall contest regarding quotes. What we want you to do is go to our Iron Radio listeners page on Facebook and give us some of your favorite quotes, uh, and we'll pick our favorite. Uh, I'd love to add to our repertoire of uh, quotes like this, and you'll win something cool. We've still got some... Uh, mugs and other Iron Radio paraphernalia floating around here, and I'm happy to send you one. Uh, I think we'll run this contest probably until Thanksgiving. So uh, get online, get on Facebook, Iron Radio listeners, and make a quote.
Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I've done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Phil Stevens here for IronRadio.org, StrengthGuild.com, and ChadAches.com to tell you about the Strength Refined Seminar with myself, Phil Stevens, and Chad Aches. Saturday, September 24, 2011, CrossFit Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. Strength Refined is a one-day course in refining your technique and proficiency in the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. It's going to be a long day. We'll squat, we'll bench, we'll deadlift, we'll do a Q&A, and then we're going to go heavy and go eat. For more information, go to www.strengthguild.com, click on the blog, go to Meets and Seminars, click on the Strength Refined Seminar, and it's all there. Hope to see you there. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need. 